Hey everyone, you're listening to Something Real. Have you ever wondered what your purpose really is? I know I have. Well, in Luke chapter 8 here, Jesus makes it very clear what that is. It's the mission. His mission. And he uses the illustration of lighting a lamp. You know, you wouldn't light a lamp just to cover it up. Its its purpose, its job, is to shine and illuminate. And not just, you know, be dim, but light up the room, light up the world. Now, I know I've probably got this little light of mine stuck in your head. Sorry, not sorry, but I still hope you enjoy the episode. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning. It's good to be podcasting again. We seem to have been uh, sort of intermittent lately, but uh, it's good to, to be able to sit down and talk about God's Word together. I realize that I nod my head a lot and people cannot see that. So yes, yes it is. If they can hear it, we may have a medical issue <laughs> yes. to contend with. I got stuff going on. <laughs> so uh, we're in Luke chapter 8 and we're um, kind of following up on what Jesus um, laid out in the parable of the soils or mm-hmm. the sower or the seed, however people want to reference it. I usually call it the parable of the soils because that's really the point is the, the four different types of responses right. that, that we have in our hearts to the Word of God. And so uh, now as as we go right from that into this next parable, it's really the same story. The conversation hasn't shifted. Um, and so it's kind of building on the point and coming out of the good soil idea that, um, you know, the good soil represents those who receive God's Word with a noble heart and it takes root, and they retain it, and they persevere in it, and therefore they produce fruit. Then he kind of emphasizes in today's story that producing fruit idea, that, that there's a purpose to it. And he goes into this illustration about a lamp, that nobody lights a lamp and then covers it up. You light a lamp for a reason, right? right. You're going to put it on a stand and, right. and uh, let it illuminate the room. And at that time, it wasn't like you know, clicking on a switch like we do clap now with on, electricity. Clap on. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but you'd be actually like lighting right. an oil lamp and, um, and hanging it up. So there's so, effort yeah. involved right. in doing this. You know, there's a thought, there's a process here. And as you do it, it just makes no sense that you would ever light it and then cover it up. You light it because it has a job to do. It would and also be a fire hazard. It seems like it. Or it would go out immediately because <laughs> you've closed off of all of the oxygen. But the... The point that he's making here uh, is clarified when we see the whole picture. We see the the whole story from uh, the parable that he had just told about the soils. And there are only four categories of person. The person that's hard and doesn't receive it, and the devil snatches the seed away. The the person that um, receives it and responds you know, immediately and emotionally, and there's a there's a passion and a zeal. We see that a lot, and then they fall away because there's no root to it. There's no substance. Right. Uh, the, the person that um, receives it, and uh, from from everything that I would take from this parable, it seems to be the saved person who is still trapped among the thorns of the world's concerns, and so it chokes out their maturity. They don't grow in a healthy way, so they don't produce fruit, and they, they struggle, and their faith is weak. And then the, the only good category of these is that good soil where somebody receives the gospel, they retain it, they persevere in it, they put it to work, and therefore it grows and it uh, takes root in their lives and produces fruit in their lives. And then he goes right into this, nobody lights a lamp and covers it up. 
there's a reason you do it. It's to give light to everybody in the room. And then right after that, Luke records that Jesus' mother and brothers have shown up, but they can't get to Jesus. They, they want to, you know, come, hey, I'm going to holler at your boy, right? So they're coming to see. That's exactly how it happened. I'm pretty sure that's what Mary said. Uh, <laughs> Stop. So, <laughs> so they get there. They can't get to Jesus because of all the crowds. Word gets to him, and he's like, yeah, sorry. My my actual family are those who obey God's word. And, and I I don't take that in this context to be a, a condemnation like a or a rejection it, right. of them. Although we know that the majority of his siblings did not see him as as Messiah. They didn't receive him right. until, until after right. the resurrection. Right. And then it's like, oh, okay, we get it now. But <laughs> but before that, <laughs> right. in fairness to them, right. you know, if your brother or sister <laughs> is getting, you know, if they're singled out as the <laughs> Messiah, that? that might be right. kind of an issue. Right. You know, right. No angels were singing when I was born. Right. What's going on? Uh, but Mary knew it, right. so she clearly was on board with the mission from the get-go. So I, I don't take it from this that Jesus is condemning them. It's not right. a shot at them. It's not that he doesn't care about his family, but he's making a point, which is exactly why Luke records it here. And that's what he illustrated earlier. Exactly. So you're going from that illustration into the emphasis of purposefulness, mission, in the lamp illustration, that lamp parable, if you will. And now, he, just to make sure we don't miss it, he says, my family, my brother and my mother, my brothers and mother are those who obey God's word, those who are committed to this mission with me. Mm-hmm. The point being made pretty clear, everything that matters is the mission. Mm-hmm. Jesus is always on mission. The reason that we exist is to be on mission. If we receive God's word and it takes root in our hearts, then our faith will be strong and all these things. But it's not even about that. It's not about how to have my best life now by having a, a good, strong faith so I can handle life's circumstances. That's a byproduct of being in him, being devoted to him, setting my priorities and my affection on the things of God rather than on the things of, of this earth. And you know, every time we see Paul talk about his own life, I had all this stuff. But now that I get it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That's all foolishness now. The very best I had before, the religious training, all those things, that is just such small potatoes compared to the reality of who God is. And now everything in my life, the whole reason I exist is to to know him and to make him known so that others, the the outcasts, the Gentiles can can come to Christ. And that's why Jesus is here, is to, to seek and to save that which was lost. Therefore, if we're following him, that's why, that's what we're about. And so he's basically saying, look, I'm, I'm lighting you as a lamp, not to cover you up, but if you've got the light, then let it shine. And, you know, certain songs come to mind, but there's a reality to that. That's the purpose of it. Well, I think, and we didn't, we did talk about it, but it didn't get published <laughs> last week when we talked about the... Uh... Oh, that was painful. <laughs> Let's not get into it. Um when we talked about the the parable of the good soil, that Jesus makes it very clear. I mean, he he gives the parable, but then he goes on to explain, this is what I'm talking about. This is what this means. It's not, the story itself might seem like a metaphor, but he is making it very clear. This is what this means. Yeah, he's not vague about it at all. Right, If there were any confusion, let me knock out that confusion for you. Here's what I'm talking about. And he, he seems to continue to do that here. And what's interesting about that to me is... Christians and non-Christians alike, we're always going through life. Oh, what am I? What is? What am I here for? What? What's gonna? What am I? What is my purpose in life? Blah blah blah. And again, 
he's kind of he's, just laying that out yeah, very clearly. And tough. and I get that because I do this all the time. I get that there is everyday stuff and we can say, well, yeah, I know. I know that's my purpose. That's my purpose. But what's my purpose? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point because we do that a lot. Right. We can see it and we can acknowledge it with our lips. Right. And be like, yeah, okay, I get it. That's, yeah. you know, that's God things. But let's talk about real stuff. Right. And, you know, as I say it, it's, it's easy for us to um, maybe get in our heads that that's really not that big of a deal. Right. But that is literally and specifically exactly the opposite of everything that we're taught in Scripture, everything that we see in the life of Christ, and really in the life of anybody who's ever had a true encounter with the living God. You can't go back to, you know, <laughs> to that same old way of thinking of, okay, yeah, that's my purpose, but what's my purpose right. kind of thing. Everything else, Isaiah, you know, and you know, anybody who's been around me knows I go back to Isaiah 6 a lot. When Isaiah encounters God, he's blown away. I mean, just woe to me. I'm ruined. I, you know, I'm a sinful man and I've seen God. And, you know, the angel puts the call to his lips. Your, your sins have been removed. And his immediate reaction is, let me go be your messenger. Nothing else in my life matters. Everything fades away. Now, Isaiah's married. He's got kids. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter anymore. None of that matters which is kind of tough for us to swallow as right. as Christians. I think especially... As a people. I, I think it is. Yeah, I think especially now in our day and age in Western society, we've had enough Christian influence to sort of be inoculated, to, mm-hmm. to have a little bit of a vaccination. So we have some Christian values, sort of, but... We blended it so much with with American values. If you want to go one hundred percent, yeah, American values, worldliness, um, you know, uh, Platonic values. So you know, we get so many different different things that are blended together that uh, our faith has become rather secular. So you know, if you ask somebody what's the most important thing in your life, then we're going to name all these other things. And in, you might say, well, of course God, you know, right. of course God's the most important right. thing, but that's really a token. We're saying it, but that's not where we've set our heart, where we've right. set our affections and our priorities, uh, which just occurs to me, which, you know, we did set my heart last week in church. We should have done that this week too. So <laughs> we may have a repeat song, but anyway, anybody listening to this probably doesn't care that's about true. what we're what doing in church on Sunday. Morning. Um, check out our live stream on Facebook, but <laughs> if it works, if it works, <laughs> But as we're doing it, we get, we do, we compartmentalize it and we, we turn, I, I, that's exactly why I'm going to get so excited. I won't be able to speak at all. Uh, this is exactly why <laughs> the, the religion idea, uh, and I, I, I want to be careful with that because people mean different things by it, but the concept of religion is in itself, in its very nature, an inoculation, a vaccination against the real relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Because it's a doing. It's a focusing on the doing. And then when we focus on the doing, then we miss out on the being. But if we focus on the being, then the doing will come naturally. And that's really the heart of the gospel. And what Paul says over and over again, it's by faith, it's by faith, it's by faith. And when Paul says it's by faith, he never separates that from 
actually working. But we're not saved by our works. God isn't, you know, holding up a checklist for us to do it. He's, it's not like he's measuring us saying, well, you know, how much are you on mission today? Right. And if you're not on mission today, I'm going to punish you. And there's not like a list of things he's checking off no. each day. So we're missing the fact that it's just being in the relationship that makes it doing it, it's living it. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. It's, so if I, if I have this checklist life. Which, I, which I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that too, even especially I think today, so many people have a checklist life. Right. There's so much to do in our daily lives That's that right. we have to, you know. And, and I, I don't want to imply that checklists are bad because no. your productivity hinges right, on, right, on right. orderliness. And there's nothing wrong with order, orderliness in your relationship. But this can't but be as just a mom, another box. You don't have a checklist that says, well, right. love George today, right. feed George today. Right. You know, I, you know I, I should shower affection on my child today. Right. It's the desire of your heart. Right. And so your, your passion for your child drives what you do mm-hmm. rather than a checklist that says, I do this. And we do the exact opposite with the Lord. Uh, John Piper uh, for 50 years has been talking about Christian hedonism. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't have known it was 50 years, but I heard him say that on a podcast the other day. Uh, so talking about Christian hedonism, the idea is that uh, that God is most glorified in me when I'm most satisfied in God. And so if I'm going to uh, recognize that the deepest desire of my heart, before I even know it, the deepest desire of every part of my created being is rooted in a relationship with him, then when I hedonistically pursue what is my true desire, it points me to God. Mm-hmm. And all the rest of it, uh, what we consider hedonism in a general sense is really not. It's not pursuing my gain and, and my joy. It's pursuing an imitation of that, which undermines all of that. So when we approach Christ in that way, with setting our affection, our, our choosing to cherish him, to value him, I see him as more beautiful, more glorious, more desirable than any other thing in life, including all of the good things of this world, including my wife, my children, uh, my reputation, my career, mm-hmm. my knowledge of God's word, when, when I see him as greater than all of that, then all of those things come into their proper perspective and into line. So because I love him first and because I, I can uh, focus my attention and my affection on him, then through him in a reflection of who God is, I can love my wife more and better. I can love my children more and better because there's an eternal perspective. And I recognize that there's nothing I can offer my mother or brothers outside of Christ. Everything that matters is right here in the mission. So my first purpose in life is to be on mission for Christ, to bear fruit within my own household, to to cause my wife to better glorify God, to give her a reason through our relationship, to see God as beautiful and glorious and desirable, to give my children a reason in every aspect of their life to say, you know what, I don't need the world's phony stuff. I need the real thing. I've got to know Jesus. And when I know Jesus, I've got to help everybody else see how awesome he is. And, you know, when when I talk about us just being beggars, showing other beggars where to find bread, that's really what it is. We're so hungry for reality. And we chase after it in everything else. We're looking for, <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong places. Absolutely right. <laughs> Think of Absolutely. Eddie Murphy. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it was funny enough when it was the song. Once it goes to, to Buckwheat, then it's extra funny. But, uh, but Jesus here is, is saying, look, if you are good soil, right. 
then the seed of God of God's word in you, which is always good seed, good soil, good seed will always produce a harvest. Let me make sure that you're getting this. There is a light on this lamp and the purpose of it is to shine. And if anything else happens, something's not right with the lamp. Either you didn't light it, you don't have the light to begin with, or you're missing out on your very purpose. The reason the lamp is lit is to illuminate everything. Therefore, as Christ followers, our role, Jesus and Matthew calls us salt and light in the world, our role is to add, as the message uh, translation would render it, Dr. Eugene Peterson just passed this past week or so, mm-hmm. um, that we are salt to bring out the God flavors in the world, to bring out the God colors as light in this world. If we're not doing that, then we've missed the reason we're on the planet and nothing will ever be properly fulfilling. God, God, God's glory is constant because he's God. He is the fullness of all glory. But our glorification of him is diminished in us when we are doing anything else other than deeply and passionately pursuing him. So then in Jesus' case, again, that's not that he loves his brother and mothers more, brothers and mother more. I got to get my singular and plural together. more than one mother. I'll ask my grandson, Jamie, to help me with that. But uh, uh, as he's doing this, it's not that he loves them less. It's that he loves everyone else more. So we're bringing which we are, which we're called to do with God for sure. So if we bring our uh, our supernatural relationships up, so in other words, we have a natural affection, a familial affection to those that we have a biological or other connection with. You belong to me, therefore I love you. Mm-hmm. That that sort of phileo love is a different concept than this agape love that that Jesus is talking about that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 13 that goes beyond my natural affection for you to say, I love you because God loves you. You were created in the image of God. Therefore, when you are focused on obeying God, then we are brothers. We are bound in this with something that's much stronger than our blood bond could ever be. And if you're not, then my compassion for you to help reach you with the gospel is so much more important than the affection that I have for my, even my own mother or my own children. It's so much more important than that. That Not that I'm neglecting them, because that's my first mission field is my home. But if you're not on board with my mission, because my mission is God-given, it's Him. That's all that matters. If you're not on board with that, then... I love you, but you're no longer part of the team. Now you're part of the target. I need to help you see him. But one way or another, God's word is the point, the seed, the light, and we need to go in that direction. And that's really, that's why this all really plays as one story, and we can understand it better when we see the whole picture. So if you're looking for what you should be doing, oh, I mean, this is, this is it. This is it, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for your purpose, your, your this purpose is it. Your purpose is to glorify God and to bear fruit in that in that glorifying. So if we continue to um, to see that as ancillary to our purpose, yeah, I got church and then I got everything else. Right. Church, and I don't necessarily just mean going on Sunday mornings, although right. that's part of it, but, but doing life together with the body of Christ as the people of God needs to become our number one priority. And that's really hard for us to get because church is not as important as my family. It's not as important as my job. It's not as important as my education. It's a hard pill to swallow. It is. It's contrary to everything we've ever learned. 
And it gets harder, I think, because over the years, we've conflated so much of this that, that we see uh, we're back in a, in a negative way toward what capital L liberalism was in a previous generation, where we believe that we will usher in the kingdom of God with education and prosperity. Right. And the better we make this world, then we'll usher in the new millennium and various different kinds of things. We don't think about it as deeply as they did in, in previous generations. But that's really what we're, <clears throat> excuse me, what we're trying to do. We tell people that what really matters is you got to get your kids to read. you got to get your kids to, to get good grades so that they can get an education and all these different things. And all we've made is more clever devils, to borrow from Lewis. The, the, you know, we, we educate, but we've missed on the only thing that matters. And until that really literally, and, and I, I, I don't mean to overuse the word literally, but until it literally becomes the only thing that matters in our priorities, Nothing else will ever have its proper place. So I can't be a good dad. I can't be a good husband until I don't love my wife and children as much as I love Christ. That's kind of counterintuitive based sure. on our flesh. Sure. I, have to, I have to make sure that I know and my wife knows you will always be second to the Lord. And that's not... And in this me, me, me culture, that ain't you. Well, it, it, it isn't. And... And it's hard for us to maintain that because God is spirit. God is invisible. So we have to, it it takes a a really full engagement of our person with his person through his word for us to really get that. And if we go through life, watching television, going to work, having relationships, and don't actively pursue, going back to the previous parable, actively pursue fertilizing and watering that seed in the good soil that we've received it in, that the good soil doesn't stay good. So we have to actively maintain that soil, and the seed will do what the seed always does. It'll put down roots, it'll dig in, it'll produce fruit. We're not producing it, he's producing it. The lamp doesn't have to put forth effort to to make light. That's what happens when it's lit. You just got to uncover it. And when we do that, then God through us will illuminate the world around us. He'll produce fruit through us constantly. Not not always, uh, it's not an equilateral kind of thing. So it's not like every moment of our life is equally productive. But we will, in season, produce fruit that God has produced in us. We don't have to strain for it. We don't have to, you know squint and groan and try and pop out apples that's not how it works not a good image it's probably inappropriate (laughs) but uh but just by being who we are meant to be by being rooted in him and in love with jesus beyond everything else then the fruit comes we don't have to we don't have to work at it we don't have to checklist it we don't have to you know purpose for it our purpose has been given when we embrace it set our affections on him then the glory of God is magnified in us. I don't think it gets much clearer than that. Uh, I, I hope so, because Jesus made it really clear. <laughs> That's what I'm I, saying. I hope yeah. I didn't muddy it up in the process. Well, if you did, open the book, see what Jesus had to there say. There you go. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah.